All right, well, it's Tuesday, the 26th of November, 2019, and this is episode 129. So I'm doing something a bit different today because, well, you may have heard that last week Tesla sort of did a thing. Yeah, they announced their Cybertruck, which produced a bit of a stir in the world. Uh, I say world, especially the Twitterverse. Um, I don't think I've ever seen or heard of or experienced any automotive event quite as polarizing as this one. Although, even saying that it was polarizing is a bit of a stretch, because initially it seemed to be pretty universal, pretty unanimous, that, well, everybody went from, this is surely a joke, to, this is awful, this is hideous, this is repulsive. And, yeah, I was one of those people. But... That's the thing I want to talk about today. I figured we'd do kind of a special episode on this because it is kind of that big of a deal for many reasons. No, not just because it's Tesla, not just because it's Elon being Elon, uh, for better or worse. Um, and no, not just because it's just another electric thing or because it's an electric pickup, but because it means so much more than, well... I was going to say it's really quite a bit more than skin deep, and I should hope so, considering just how ugly that skin really is. Right, before we get into that, uh, don't forget to check out our new website over at hoagandco.com. That's H-O-A-G-A-N-D-C-O.com. You can follow our new firm on all social media at Co. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, so, wow, uh, Elon sort of seems to have outdone himself. And this time I say outdone in not necessarily the best of light. Or do I? I'm not really sure yet because what he's just done, what his team have just announced, what Tesla just released to the world with the Tesla Cybertruck, it's either the most astonishing thing of all time or at least the most amazing bit of marketing magic or it's a catastrophic disaster, albeit one which has already netted over 200,000 pre-orders. Or deposits, yes, I know, these aren't really orders. These are just fully refundable at any time deposits, which makes them not really orders and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. Nevertheless, people have done it. And yes, I understand maybe a lot of people did this just for the publicity stunt of saying, yeah, me too, me too, I placed a deposit, blah, blah, blah. Well, by the way, I did place a deposit. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those people. But let's let's kind of dive into all this and see what this is all about. For those of you who do follow me on Twitter at Autonomous Hogue, you likely did see my um, ha, my stream of consciousness kind of disbelief as to what was going on. All right. So yeah. So the first tweet that I sent out was 
So is the Tesla Cybertruck the biggest marketing joke in history? Surely this can't be real. Then I went on to say, uh, the Tesla Cybertruck makes a Lamborghini look round and soft. And I should have said cuddly too. Um, And then lo and behold, uh, what, two days later, I tweeted, so I went from revolted, disgusted to revolted, disgusted, and want it to your order is complete. Thanks, Elon. Yeah, so this is a really weird thing. It's really remarkable. But let's first of all kick things off with a bit of a recap on what what this thing really is, why it looks the way it does, um, and, and where things are going here. So, so if I mean, I'm assuming by now that most of you who who are listening to this podcast probably already know the, the specs for each of the three different trim levels. So I'm going to kind of go through these pretty quickly. But suffice to say. You've got a single motor, rear wheel drive. You've got a dual motor, all wheel drive, and a tri motor. <laughs> that sounds like an old airplane, the old Ford tri motor from back in the days. Uh, a tri motor, tri motor, all wheel drive. So, uh, the single motor rear wheel drive will do zero to sixty in just under six and a half seconds. It's got a range of some two hundred and fifty plus miles estimated. Uh, it is just rear wheel drive. It's got a towing capacity of some seventy five hundred pounds. Um, Okay, the, the dual motor all-wheel drive does something under four and a half seconds. We'll have a range of 300 plus miles, uh, a towing capacity of 10,000 pounds. And finally, the, the tri-motor uh, does just under three seconds to 60 with a whopping range of 500 miles uh, and a towing capacity of 14,000 pounds. Okay, cool. These all sound really neat, really interesting, and they all make for, for some really great headlines. But there is a thing that no one's really talked about. I mean, that's not true. Some people have, but... Weirdly, what didn't make the headlines, certainly neither during the event nor immediately after, was, well, the price points for these. Because the the single-motor rear-wheel-drive Tesla Cybertruck starts at $39,900, and that's without any incentives. I know you're going to say something like, yeah, but market only has a range of 250 miles. That's not the point. This is a big, heavy truck. It's got the 100-kilowatt-hour battery pack. The only other Tesla vehicles with a 100-kilowatt-hour battery pack, if I'm not mistaken these days, because it's not any longer explicit on the website, are the Model S and X. And those start at, what, ninety, eighty, or $90,000, I guess? And they top out at something well over a hundred. So, So just to put this in perspective, just to be super clear then, what we're saying is we've got a vehicle, doesn't matter if it's a truck, a car, a tricycle, but we've got a thing with wheels, which is fully electric, with a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack, and it's starting at under $40,000 with no incentives. Yes, Mark, you're going to say, but the interior is god awful. It's even more Spartan than the Model 3. I've been in tombs more inviting than the Cybertruck interior. Yes, I can hear it now, and I do kind of agree, but still, so what? A battery is by far and away the most expensive component of any electric vehicle. This is, of course, the thing which keeps electric vehicle costs relatively high. All things being equal, electric vehicles do tend to be high. Still, the Model 3 is by far and away the most bang for your buck. It's definitely the best value prop that Tesla offers, and indeed, it's the best value prop for any electric vehicle in the world. Um, but now here, what we've got is this pickup truck with a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack starting at under 40K. 
This means that Tesla has finally figured out how to drastically cut the cost of battery production. And this is huge, not just for Tesla, but indeed for the entire world. This is absolutely massive. Okay, so, so there is the additional layer th that is worth mentioning, which is, okay, it's got a range with this 100 kilowatt hour battery pack of 250 plus miles. Okay, but obviously the purpose of a pickup truck is to do something like, you know, carry a lot of stuff around. Presumably that stuff's going to be quite heavy. That's why it's got a towing capacity of, for instance, 7,500 pounds. I believe the payload weight was something like 3,400 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So just thinking out loud here, the vehicle itself, I'm guessing, weighs something like, uh, actually, do we have the weight here? Huh. I don't think we actually have the weight. But, but assuming the thing weighs something on the order of, I'm going to guess, 5,000 pounds ish, maybe even more. Uh, so that means that it's got a towing capacity of nearly, yeah, well, something a little bit more than 50% uh, more of its weight. So then you add in the additional payload weight as well. All I'm trying to say here is if this thing is capable of towing and or carrying something equal to twice its weight, you can bet for sure that range is realistically going to be something down in the 150 to 200 mile range. I'm totally guessing, of course, but just suffice to say that's just never going to happen. So that is, of course, one point of criticism. So then realistically, probably, if you are the sort of person who actually is going to rely on this pickup truck to carry and tow around all sorts of big, heavy things, a bunch of construction materials or small planets, then, yeah, you're probably going to want to get the tri-motor all-wheel drive. And at that point, it does get pretty expensive because now you're topping out at something like, what is eighty or ninety? I guess eighty thousand dollars. So Doug Demuro, uh, if you've not seen his YouTube channel or listened to him, you, you really should. He's <laughs> the guy is hilarious. Uh, he's awesome. He, he did a really nice breakdown um, comparing the Tesla Cybertruck to the Ford F one fifty, and he very cleverly went even further than that, realizing that really the Tesla Cybertruck is actually more in line with. Uh, Ford or Chevy's so-called super-duty or heavy-duty trucks, both in terms of capacity but also in terms of cost. So what he pointed out was that the regular F-150 is kind of the better value prop, honestly, than the Cybertruck. But indeed, that if you compare the Cybertruck to, say, the, the, the super or the heavy-duty versions of those manufacturers' trucks, then, in fact, it's more of an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. However, even then... The top-end version of those super and heavy-duty trucks end up actually costing a bit less and astonishingly having quite a bit more towing capacity still. If I'm not mistaken, the top-of-the-line super-duty, I think Chevy, has a towing capacity of something like 34,000 pounds, almost twice the Tesla Cybertruck. So, okay, so, so maybe, interestingly enough, for the first time ever, Tesla's offered to the world this, this incredible new thing, which may not have the most obvious value prop in the world. But nevertheless, what we've got is a thing which is decidedly so different to anything else on the road, either today or at any time in history, 
that if nothing else, it opens the door to what's possible. Not just for Tesla, which apparently means a thing which looks like it was rendered with 1980s computer graphic technology and uh, is, oh yeah, by the way, bulletproof to 9mm rounds. But it also suggests what Ford and others are capable of doing once they put their minds to it. And indeed, even the upcoming Rivian from Detroit, which, by the way, in contrast, I think really looks quite pretty. So so what is the point of all this? I mean, if Tesla are going to release this thing, and if it's some two years away-ish, which being Elon years is really more likely something like three years out. I don't know. I'm being a bit pessimistic. Let's say two and a half years, I suppose. I would be really shocked if we see the first delivery of this thing any time prior to um, spring of 2021. I just, I would be shocked. Uh, also, let's not forget, there's another, There's a lot of things that aren't really answered about this truck, right? So for instance, okay, it's great that the thing is bulletproof, but you know, and that you can take a sledgehammer to the body panels and it doesn't even so much as scratch, let alone dent. But we learned a long time, like a long time ago, like during the era of the classic Volkswagen Beetles, that that is decidedly not the sort of <laughs> that is decidedly not the sort of vehicle structure you want for crash impact protection. I mean, Volkswagen Beetles were pretty sturdy things too. Um, but if you were in a crash with one, you were dead. That was it. Game over. My point is, where are the crumple zones on this thing? I mean, seriously, like, what's going to happen when this thing drives into a wall? I mean, is the idea that it either A, just can't crash into anything because its autopilot would be so sophisticated by then? Or is it the idea that it's just going to drive right through the wall without any change in its velocity whatsoever? I mean, seriously, there's got to be a way for this thing to, 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 well, to crash, to crumple, to deform. And there doesn't appear to be anything like that on the bodywork. So I'm really curious about that. What's another thing? Um... Okay, the side view mirrors. Yeah, in the US, you do still need side view mirrors. So imagine something to sprout out the side of it like Shrek's ears at some point in the future. Okay, what else? We've got these funky looking headlights and the taillights. <laughs> I say lights in the plural. They're just one light in the front and in the back. We've got one light strip, one light bar in the front, one light bar in the back. Yeah, that's just not legal in the US. In fact, even Audi's fantastically brilliant uh, what is it called? Pixel light, I believe. Uh, yeah, Audi's Pixel light, which has these sort of little mirrors, which can effectively block bits of the light beam dynamically in real time to avoid blinding oncoming cars and otherwise producing the equivalent output of, well, your high beams. So, so basically high beams without blinding people. We can't even have those in the States, <laughs> which is funny because as an aside, we're allowed to have turn signals that are not amber in the back. That's super weird to me. Um, hey, if you're in the autonomous vehicle or mobility space, don't forget we've just recently launched our new AV and mobility strategy consulting firm, Hogan Co. We've got partners in Amsterdam, Paris, and right here in San Francisco, as well as associates around the world, including Boston and Philadelphia. All of our members are either PhDs, attorneys, engineers, or startup founders with extensive experience in the autonomous vehicle and mobility space. If you have any questions or you'd like to chat further, please check out our new website at hogandco.com or visit us on all social media at hogandco. That's H-O-A-G-A-N-D-C-O. But yeah, so th there's, there's going to be a lot of changes for this thing, right? Um, and so I'm very curious how it's going to evolve. 
I mean, I guess the, the issue with the lights, that's relatively trivial, although it will give it a decidedly different look. Uh, adding on side view mirrors, again, not a huge deal, but the crumple zone thing, I am very curious about that. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, incidentally, if anybody's listening to this podcast and has any insight into that, please do let me know. You can reach out on Twitter at Autonomous Hogue uh, or LinkedIn or whatever. Another point of comment that was raised that I thought was quite interesting, and I, I'm definitely not the person who would have thought about this because I have never in my life driven. Oh, that's not true, actually. I have driven a pickup truck once, and if I'm honest, I absolutely loved it. Uh, my wife and I really, just for the hell of it, just for fun, rented a massive – what was it, actually? I guess it was a Ford F-150. No, no, no. It was a Dodge something or other. Uh, we were somewhere in, I think, Charleston, South Carolina, which, by the way, amazing city, beautiful city phenomenal food and of course yeah i figured okay i've got to rent a pickup truck and it was super fun loved every bit of it um but yeah other than that i'm not the sort of person who would have ever even noticed such a thing but yeah it turns out the back i should say the bed of the pickup of of the cyber truck apparently looked like it didn't have any sort of tie down points or, or rails for you know attachment points for for mounting brackets and the like well it turns out that in fact it does it's the sort of thing that you find on ships so it turns out it's infinitely adjustable and modifiable, as it were. So apparently that can be laid to rest. That's that's not a concern after all. What else? Um, yeah, okay. Then there was the issue that a lot of you pointed out uh, when Tesla ran that marketing stunt, uh, which, okay, super cool thing, right? To see the, the Cybertruck in an epic tug-of-war contest with, of course, its arch rival, or not, uh, the Ford F-150. And in that tug-of-war contest, well, yeah, the, the Tesla, you know, solidly defeats the Ford, pulling it, squealing and shrieking, literally, it turns out, uphill. But of course, many keen-eyed viewers pointed out that the Ford was operating in two-wheel drive mode. I should say rear-wheel drive mode. So really not a fair fight for the Ford at all. Impressively, though, Ford has spoken up and they've said, hey, we want a rematch. And so presumably then this time it will be four-wheel drive to four-wheel drive as it should be. I have to say, though, um, I don't see this going well in Ford's favor at all for several reasons, right? So first of all, if only because of the immediate instantaneous torque provided by the Cybertruck, um, I, I, I just don't actually see how any gasoline-operated vehicle will be able to start to generate enough torque from from a standing start to make any difference. I mean, by the time the RPMs in that F-150 get up to speed sufficiently to start actually having any meaningful impact whatsoever, the Tesla will be long on its way to pulling it away. I mean, unless those tires are, like, literally glued to the ground, and even then, I doubt that it's going to stay put. I mean, that Tesla's just going to walk away. Also, there's the issue of weight distribution, right? Because you've got this, this F-150 with, it's like, an 80-20 weight distribution with that empty bed in the back. Obviously, I'm exaggerating. It's not that terrible, but almost. And meanwhile, you've got the the Tesla Cybertruck, which, of course, has this huge 100-kilowatt-hour battery pack, or indeed quite a bit larger. I mean, I haven't sat down to do the math, but let's see. I'm going to guess something approaching 200 kilowatt-hours, right? I mean, if the if the, uh, the 100-kilowatt-hour battery pack is is giving it something like 250 miles range, then you double that. And if I'm not mistaken, you more or less have to double the battery capacity, right? So so my point is you've got this massive battery, whether it's 100 kilowatt hours or whether it's 200 kilowatt hours, it's just sitting there in the bottom 
floor, essentially making up the floor of the t- of the Cybertruck, that's a tremendous amount of equally distributed weight, f- you know, across both axles, front to rear, just pushing down into the ground and giving those tires, all four of them, mind you, tremendous traction. So I really don't see what Ford are thinking when they're going to do this. The only scenario I can imagine where Ford might stand a chance is indeed if they used one of their super heavy duty trucks. And even then a diesel version of such thing. You know, this (laughs) mentioning diesel, I have to say a thing which occurred to me. I thought this was pretty funny. Um, One of the most common arguments that I hear about the utterly pointless use case about the lack of market demand for for an electric pickup truck is that the vast majority of people who actually care about or want a pickup truck the last thing they're going to care about is efficiency right they just don't care like they just want more and bigger diesel torquey whatever right never mind the fact that electric motors are super torquey right from idle as we just discussed a moment ago but you know big stonking v10 turbo diesel motors, that's what people want. So, okay, I can kind of accept that that stereotype, I suppose. But then just the other day, and I wish I had the ad in front of me, I wish I screenshotted it, but there was an ad by Dodge that popped up in my Twitter feed, and I'm not kidding. The primary message of the ad was something along the lines of more utility and, oh yeah, more efficiency. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It was literally advertising as one of the key selling points for this big, huge Dodge pickup truck with, yeah, I think it was one of their turbo diesel uh, motors. It was actually advertising the increased efficiency. Like, oh yeah, look, now we can get 15 miles per gallon instead of 13. Yay. I mean, at best, this is a totally useless metric. And at worst, I mean, no one's going to care. So... I mean, there's only two possibilities here, right? Either people really do care about efficiency, in which case, yeah, they they are going to appreciate the electric efficiency that Tesla Cybertruck will offer, or alternatively, they're not going to care, in which case, why did Dodge just waste a whole bunch of marketing dollars touting the efficiency of one of their new diesel trucks? I, I just, I don't get it. There's a really weird disconnect here, and it's something I've never heard anyone talk about, but Suffice to say, I'm, not, I'm going to assume that, that Dodge's marketing team actually know what they're up to. They know what they're doing. These are a bunch of smart people. And so if they're advertising the increased efficiency of their trucks, I've got to imagine there's something to it. It's got to be the case that their target market actually does care about such things. And if that's true, then yeah, there's no reason why the Cybertruck shouldn't be a big deal. And why it shouldn't sell well. And indeed why these, what, 200,000 orders that were placed, um, probably up to around 250 by now, I'm guessing, or 300 even. There's no reason why those, or at least a lot of those, shouldn't materialize into actual hard shipments. Which means then I guess there's only one last thing to talk about, right? And that's the looks. 
Uh, well, look, just to kind of loop this back to how this conversation began. Yeah, I literally said I thought it was the most hideous, revolting thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I should probably mention, this is probably a good time to share with you that I, uh, I'm i not a fan of the super dark, miserable and depressing dystopian future that is Blade Runner and other such films. Um, I never liked those. Neither the story nor the aesthetic. I was always more of a Star Trek and even a Star Wars guy uh, before I was ever into any sort of dystopian type sci-fi futures. So I am decidedly the last sort of person who would find that design attractive or in any way whatsoever something I'd want to have in my driveway. Okay, I got to say, though, two points about that. Number one, the original Hummer. And I say original, I should say the only Hummer, because obviously the H2 and the H3, those weren't weren't Hummers. But the original, the, the Hummer, the H1, that thing was by no stretch of the imagination pretty. It was a brutalist thing on wheels, just as the Cybertruck is also a an incredible tribute to brutalist, in-your-face design. But it sold well amongst the target market who wanted such a thing. Again, it wasn't pretty, but it was just kind of cool and in-your-face, and people wanted it. Never mind that it effectively, single-handedly coined the phrase, at least unofficially, SAV. No, not like BMW's SAV for, what is it, sports uh, sports activity vehicle. But I mean SAV in the true sense, suburban assault vehicle, because that is what the H1 really was. And now we've got the same thing with this cyber truck from Tesla, which is, it's an autonomous electric suburban assault vehicle. A-E-S-A-V. And when you think of it in those terms, and certainly when you contrast it against what was the, the the original Hummer, it doesn't suddenly seem that far-fetched. It doesn't suddenly seem that outlandish. It's really quite possible this thing will just take off precisely because it is so ridiculous, precisely because it's so ugly, and precisely because there is no other thing like it on the planet. And so for if only that reason, that just makes it cool. All right, so look, those are my thoughts on the Tesla Cybertruck. This went on quite a bit longer than I anticipated. I am really curious to hear everybody's thoughts. I would love to know whether you place an order. So anything you'd like to share with me about this, again, get in touch with me on Twitter at Autonomous Hogue and find me on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, this this thing is going to go down in history as one of the all-time great uh, product unveils in the history of automotive. Oh yeah, and by the way, about those broken windows, can somebody please explain to me what the big deal is? I am pretty sure if you threw any sphere ball, heavy metal ball at any car's windows, they would shatter. Yeah, I get it. Your whole point is probably that, yeah, well, they, they claimed they wouldn't shatter. Well, look, it's true. They didn't go through and they would have gone through any other car's windows. And it turns out, by the way, that the reason why they shattered, those were the exact same windows on the exact same car that they had already tested so many times prior leading up to the show. And so they were already fragile and quite brittle. That's why they broke. All right, well, enough about that. Those are my thoughts on the Cybertruck. Let me know what you think as well. All right, well, that's a wrap for today and actually for this week, because if you remember, I am going to be taking off later today for some Thanksgiving travel adventures. Um, So most likely our next episode will go up on Tuesday the 10th. Anyway, until then, and for those of you here in the U.S. with me, Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. 
Until next time, bye-bye.